This is Fix It. I'm Kevin. And I'm Nishan. Today, we're fixing the women in leadership gap with the mayor of Boise, Idaho, Lauren McLean. Though not originally from Boise, Mayor McLean quickly made it her home. For 20 years, she's been fixing problems in Boise, from leading the Boise Foothills Open Space Campaign to winning elections to the city council. She's made her mark on the community, taking serious action to make the city more sustainable, more family friendly, and even more connected to the outdoors. We're thrilled to have the mayor on the show. It should be mentioned that Mayor McLean is much more than just her public service, which is impressive in and of itself. Before she was mayor, she was a small business owner and also served on a variety of boards. Thank you for joining us, Mayor. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So Mayor McLean, we've got all of these gaps that come to mind when it comes to COVID, from the digital divide to income inequality. Can you tell us more about this gap, the women in leadership gap? Sure. You know, um, one thing I've learned first as an activist and organizer and then as an elected official is that whether it be in executive positions like being mayor or even in the legislature, in Congress at the federal level, in governor's offices, um, women seem to tap out at about 20% of the offices while women across the country are over 50% of our population. And so that's going to take a lot of focus work, both locally and across the country, in organizations, neighborhoods, et cetera, to encourage more women to run. But it's also not just a political problem. The, it's, a, it's about the same average. 20% of board positions, um, other business leadership positions are held by women. And, and so there's that disparity there that many of us hope to see fixed over time. And just to really drive the point home, what happens when there aren't enough women in leadership? What happens to representation? Well, I mean, we see in um, companies, in politics, et cetera, that you have more diverse thinking and new ways of solving problems, new ideas, of new ways of looking at problems when you have more diverse representation that's reflective of the community, the, the business, the country as a whole, depending on what the organization's looking at. And I think it's really fascinating in this COVID era to analyze some of the countries that are run by women that have Mm -hmm. been faring much better than the countries run by men. So Angela Merkel in Germany has had a great track record for the most part. And down in New Zealand, the female prime minister has also been tallying up a really impressive record. And a lot of folks have been attributing that to the different leadership style, which tends to be more willing to listen to experts. Go figure. The, you know, I got quite a few emails during our stay home order when I had to step out and take some early decisions before the governor shut the state down. Um, And then throughout the stay home order. And then when I required masks in our city, I tended to get emails from people that pointed out that the countries or states run by women um, at that point in time, at least had better looking numbers than other places. And I do think it, you know, I, I, different people bring different things to problem solving. And my sense is is that maybe it is that some of us will like think about how we balance the health of our family, friends, neighbors, and community with the importance of, um, you know, supporting our businesses. And, And it's that balance that you saw women in some instances navigating in different ways. So it's clear that there are practical real world consequences to not having women in equal leadership positions. 
maybe to explore next, it would be helpful for our listeners to understand, you know, with, with all the awareness of this issue that has come to light in the past couple of years, what are the barriers keeping this from becoming a more mainstream ideology that women should, you know, be in leadership? They should have power that traditionally has been reserved for a lot of men. So I think that many people would say that they do believe that women should be in leadership. So it's more about how we address the structures um, that prevent that from happening. When I was thinking about running for mayor, I was told by um, a pollster who works with a lot of women who have run for mayors um, positions or other executive positions that it's really that's the hardest position for a woman to win because it's so hard for people to imagine a woman in that role because we just haven't seen enough. And so, so much of it is, and I even say, said this to the Girl Scouts last weekend when I um, visited a leadership celebration, is that you can't see, you can't be what you can't see, and it's hard to imagine um, what we haven't seen. And so it's, it's those, we need more wins around this country where women um, win executive positions. We need to see more women running businesses, and then it becomes less of a leap for voters that don't even recognize that they're having to, to make a mental leap to feel comfortable putting and voting for a woman in that role. But then we also systemically have to look at how we build leaders, you know, from preschool on up, um, young girls, um, members of marginalized communities, you know, getting the confidence, the, fo the focus and attention so that at, at the time when they're, you know, in the right position at the right age, they feel enough confidence to take the leap themselves. Kind of makes me think of the stats on the most likely folks to end up in the NHL tend to be the folks born later in the year because then they're bigger in the sports season and they get all of the attention from their coaches at an earlier age. And all of a sudden they're the ones who end up being pro athletes. So applying that to mayors and females running for office, I think it is that attention from an early age. And in terms of you can't be what you can't see, I'd, I'm sure you'd be pleased to know that the governor of Oregon, Kate Brown, who I had the pleasure of working for for a year, that's one of her favorite quotes as well. So it really does resonate that you just need a model to follow and voters need a model to follow as well. So with that in mind, can you talk about what solutions should be implemented? What tangible policies could help this? I know some boards, for example, require quotas about the number of female representatives. Some nations even have quotas for their representation systems. What's on the menu for you? Sure. So um, there are a couple things that I can do as mayor. And the first one, of course, so I'll talk about what I can do as mayor and then what I can do outside as you know, somebody involved in politics and an influencer in the community. But as mayor, I do appoint people to boards and commissions. And we've decided that we will first seek um, gender parity and then also look to ensure that we're um, appointing people that are more reflective of our community so that we are seeing people from marginalized communities engaged as well. And so with every appointment, I am looking for the best candidate and looking for um, making progress on my desire to see gender parity in these boards and commissions. Because those are the, I mean, those are nurturing grounds for civic action for people that might run for city council, people that might run for mayor in the future. If, you know, I got involved in my early 20s as a parks commissioner and then just did things from there. And I want to make sure that we have women placed in those positions so they're gathering the experience that they believe they need 
in order to run because all too often also women expect themselves to have more experience um, than their male counterpart in making that decision to run for office. And then we also, the city of Boise has historically had a youth council and has put um, youth members of the community on commissions. I'm looking at developing regional councils so that it's accessible to more um, students in our communities that can't necessarily drive downtown or drive to where the commission meeting is held. And so um, most likely by next year, we'll have started a like a quad system of youth councils and then a youth climate leadership council as well. Um, again, with an eye towards nurturing next gen leaders, giving them an opportunity when they're young, um, and then also hoping to build into that some skills that they can use when they move on to college or career to continue to stack their civic involvement on top of what they would have started in high school. And then one thing I wanted to flag that um, I have did as a candidate was when I decided to run for office, I knew it was a huge stretch. Um, it would be, it was unlikely that I would win, but I wanted to know that in doing this, I not only raised issues that needed to be raised here and forced a conversation, um, but that I helped support building a bench of um, political leaders, young political leaders. And what I found, and so I said this to my team that I wanted to build a fellowship program into my campaign. And then what I found was that when I announced, I had so many um, young women who were in college or had just graduated from high school reaching out looking for like some sort of engagement. And so we ended up having this cadre of college students, all female, that did these. Um, field fellowship programs, we called them. And now that everybody's at home doing college remotely, um, there are four women of the nine that we had as field fellows that are running campaigns in the city for the legislature. And so I look at it and I think, oh my goodness, that it actually worked and even faster than I hoped because of you know the, the COVID situation in their home and candidates needed support. And so in that, um, I was being mindful of how do we and how do we give young people, and in this case, young women, the skills to be leaders in the political advocacy space in our community as well? Speaking from my own experience, it is impressive just how quickly all of these opportunities can accumulate. So I got to serve on the Beaverton Visioning Advisory Committee as a 16-year-old. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, all of these doors opened because people just aren't used to seeing young people in government. Yeah. And the fact that you are creating these positions and already seeing the results really testifies to that experience. So kudos. It's an amazing model that you've built out just doing these relatively small things that can be serve as a model for campaigns and cities across the country to help engage young people, especially young women, and get them ready for a possible career in public service. With that in mind, since you're the expert here, what do you think our listener community can do? Perhaps if they have some spare time on their hands, how can they be spending that time to either raise awareness or get involved more practically? So I don't want to claim expert status yet. There's only a little bit that I've done so far. And I should actually say, too, that I am where I am because um, a woman who was in an elected official 20 years ago herself had made a career commitment to mentoring young women. And through the years... Um, many of us were the beneficiaries of that. My chief of staff was one of her mentees. Of, I've worked in different political positions with others, and I too am one of them. And that's Wendy Jaquit from Ketchum, Idaho, who is the minority leader in the Idaho legislature. And, and so, you know, I've really told myself too that I need to do 
as much as much as I can to do for others what she did for me. And so it's it's what's helped me think about how to nurture, especially younger women in the early parts of their careers. So that's one thing that anybody can do. If you are um, in a position where you can be supportive of um, young women in particular, um, young women of color, um, help them think through what it is they want to do with their lives and, and what they can do in the moment, whether it be in high school, college, or early career, um, to kind of harness the passions that they have and get, get them involved and build leadership skills is super important. I'd also say studies show that women have to be asked a minimum of seven times to, before they are willing to run for office. So if you know someone that should run for the city council or should run for the legislature or should consider putting her name out there for a board that seems intimidated, you've got to start asking her now. Um, and so there are many people that all now in the community that I'll say, okay, this is the fifth time I'm asking you to run for office, you know, and it's become like a running joke, but it also normalizes and recognizes the fact that women have to really think it through, feel that they've done much more than they really need to do in order to run and then be asked many, many more times to do it. So that's something that people can do. And then there are great organizations um, there's an organization called Emerge that's in some states around the country that um, focuses on training women to run for office. I imagine that there are similar organizations focused on women in the business space. And then we, like here we have, it's called Go Lead Idaho. It's a group of women that are focused on helping women um, make application to state level boards and commissions to increase the number of women on those boards. So look to see if there's something like that in your state. And I know that the Idaho um, women lawyers here um, focus th their similar efforts, but on getting women on the bench. So I, I found over time that in any space that you're in from a career perspective, there's likely um, something that you can do on your own or find others focused on doing the same to increase women representation and leadership positions. Well, Fixers, I hope we all can take the mayor's message to heart and go identify some folks who we need to represent our communities and to move them forward. Mayor McLean, thanks so much for joining us. It was great to join you both also. Nice to meet you. Thanks for the conversation. Big thanks to Mayor McLean. So glad we had her on the show. Use hashtag Fixer to tell us about problems you're solving tweet us at fix underscore cast. And if you're feeling generous, please leave us a review. It means a lot to Nishant. His confidence is fragile and he needs to hear from you. So please tell Nishant how much you enjoy listening to his sweet voice. See you next time, Fixers.